Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. Let's see the reaction. I've never waited on bated breath before. This is what that expression was. You've got to be kidding, man. So our Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon, it didn't wind up getting pushed to today to Wednesday, which muddies the brand, but at least we're doing it. That is something. This changes everything. Everything has been changed. Welcome to the walk-off, everybody. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. We are sitting at, by the way, episode 419. Are we going to have a 420 celebration on Friday? A puff puff kind of uh, passing, you know, maybe maybe Jeff Passan has some big news for the Blue Jays. That would really tie this all together really uh, well, you know. Puff puff passing. I love it. Let's get Jeff Passan on for the four. I bet you, you know what, if you DM him on Twitter with that hilarious line, he might just do it. He might just do it. Believe me, I have DM Jeff Passan many a times trying to get his attention to come on the show. Uh, no go. No go. No go. Uh, speaking of possible guests, though, Alan Rodon, one of the Blue Jays' top prospects, uh, a guy who very well could see his major league debut in 2024, and there's even a slim possibility of him landing that fourth outfielder position right out of spring training, depending on his uh, performance. He is going to join us next Tuesday. Hopefully, Adam, you can join. If not, no big deal. We will go solo. I'll be there. Um, and then Chris Black at Down to Black. I'm always down to Black. Is, listen, if you are a fan of the Blue Jays and you are not following it Down to Black on Twitter, you're doing yourself a disservice. The man is the king of threads. Nobody deep dives individual um stats quite like chris black does so excited to have him back on the show uh don't have a day locked in yet he's in the bahamas as of tomorrow until monday so he's got this like mini vacation lined up there and he said as soon as he's back from the sun that he will join us for some blue jays talk so uh lots of guests lined up over the next month it's always a busy season for us when it comes to getting these guys um Minor leaguers, major leaguers will keep you posted, I guess, is where I'm going. You look like you were about to jump in, and then I was winding down, and then you oh, didn't. So this is... <laughs> no, sorry. My, uh, what do they call it? My my mask had slipped. My autism mask had slipped. <laughs> sorry. I was not being a good active listener. <laughs> I was, okay. I was reading Let's, other comments. I was prepping for the show uh, yes, while yes. you were Let's, doing your intro. And I'm well, sorry. you're multi-talented. And I'm why sorry. prep beforehand when you could do it during the show? Um, <laughs> let's get into it, buddy. You're ready right. to go. I can just tell. Well, I just wanted to start with this one off the, uh, the top. This comes from last week's mailbag. Uh, Marcus G., commented so this one just wins the comments in the mailbag uh, he quoted us at the start of last week's mailbag 
uh, when we said we were raw dogging it for 30 minutes before we hit the record on YouTube today, which, by the way, we also did for this morning as well. So if this mailbag's short, it's because we've run out of time because we spent about 35 minutes doing our preamble with the Patreon side of stuff. So a lot of good conversation there. Patreon.com slash the walkoff podcast. Uh, but Marcus G quoted that and says, I don't know how to say this, guys, but usually you're supposed to hit record before the raw dogging starts. And that one yes, made me laugh. very smart. So Mantis yes. Toboggan says, how do we pin this comment? So we pinned it. <laughs> there we go. That's the doctor. Dr. Mantis Toboggan. Yes. MD. All right. Um, let's get to it then. Last week on Mailbag, um, we talked about the compensation draft picks. Mm-hmm. Do they ever turn out to be anything anyways? Is it something, is it a throwaway thing, right? Like uh, this came on the heels of a qualifying offer being, being extended to Matt Chapman. Um, and I found after that episode um, on MLB.com, this is an article from 2018, so keep in mind there's five new years of draft picks to be added, although none of them have probably made the MLB yet. But this is an article of an all-star team of active players drafted as compensatory picks. And I was surprised by this list. In hindsight, I shouldn't have been because it's just a second-round draft pick, basically. Second, third, fourth-round yeah. draft pick. Lots those of work guys, out all the time. They work out all the time. Um, probably just as often as first round draft picks, to be honest. So um, at first base, Joey Gallo. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, okay. This is honorable mention, Matt Olson. Okay. I'd put that the other way around. In 2023. Um, Josh Donaldson at third base was a compensatory draft pick by the Cubs at 48th overall in 2007. So there you go. Uh, Trevor Story, uh, notable name. Mark Teixeira, Nick Swisher. I told you this is an old article. Orlando Hudson. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Sure do. Uh, O-Dog. Actually, O-Dog was on uh, the Gibbons show yeah i saw that i gotta watch the episode i haven't seen the episode but uh on my to watch list yeah there you go uh adam wainwright Mm -hmm. pretty Uh, decent there you go james paxton Um, canadian maple ridge boy so um also i'm pretty sure just double check i saw this oh honorable mention below adam wainwright jose barrios so little Blue Jays tie there, 32nd mm-hmm. overall uh, by the Twins. So there you go, man. It uh, sometimes turns into something. I just thought that was a cool article. Speaking of James Paxton, it's funny that this just uh, jogged my memory. But when I was playing some shows in Vancouver in October, Alana Brittany, the comedian that I was working with, her friend is dating James Paxton's brother, who I then was like, well, obviously, please ask your best friend to ask 
James Paxton's brother to ask James <laughs> Paxton to come on the show. So those wheels are in motion. I completely forgot to follow up, but I will mm. see what's going on there. So I hope they're still together. That's great. That's right, right? Don't have broken up <laughs> till we get a chance to talk to them. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. From Twitter, Mitchell DM'd us and said, uh, guys, why was DeMarlo Hale hired? And what is an associate manager? That's someone who manages the associates. That's right. Any DeMarlo student should be aware of this. Who's DeMarlo Hale? Most Jays Jays fans are going to remember DeMarlo Hale from his stint with the Blue Jays during the 2015-2016 years, the ALCS visits. He was the bench coach, I think it was. Maybe double check on that. Yeah, he bench coach. Been, yeah, bench coach. And, uh, Which I also don't know what means. To... What's a bench coach? Well, it's like this. I feel like it's the second and in charge. I don't know exactly. So. We should oh. actually get a bench coach on the show and and ask him his his details, what he needs to do, what his job is. Have, That's actually a we good should idea. have asked Mark Shapiro when we had him on. Like, hey, what the fuck does a bench coach do? I think they're just handing out titles at this point, like associate manager. I I kind of laughed at that one. I'm like, what what is the like the the associate to the manager, like is yes, it, the is associate it like, to the regional manager. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> I thought Don Mattingly was the associate man. What is Don Mattingly? Don Mattingly is now. If you say bench coach, coordin- I'm going to flip. No, the coordinator of offense, the offensive guy who something like that. Man, there's more fake titles than this is like Game of Thrones. Oh. You know where like every city pretends to have a king? Warden of yes. the North, Don Mattingly. Yes. Like come on, man. <laughs> You're killing me here. I All mean, right. the the lip service that the Blue Jays gave for bringing DeMarlo Hale back was that he is going to be exactly what Don Mattingly is but on the defensive side of the game. So he's going to be kind of the I coordinator's not the word. Now I'm just using football word but the defensive strategist there it is that's the word defensive strategist and don mattingly is the offensive strategist but we're all aware that the blue jays are very much a collaborative bunch they are going to have a gaggle of khakis gaggle of khakis yeah bringing together all the information it's just the way baseball has gone i think that demarlo hale's a very very um knowledgeable man when it comes to the baseball side of things just the the actual playing the game i think that bringing him back is a good move now where does he fit i don't know i i it's an interesting it's an interesting uh coaching staff they're assembling i would love to actually hear what everyone thinks about this on the grounds crew like does demarlo hale being involved please you with where this coaching staff's direction is going. It feels like they're just running everyone back and then adding a few extra pieces here. Are you excited about this? Does this, I mean, excited is not the word I would use. I'm not disappointed. I'm not upset, but like, 
do I feel like this is going to move the needle in any way? I I don't know how. <laughs> the extent of my do I give a fuck meter? How many, you know, that meme of like Spider-Man? It's like, look, I'm yes. holding up all the fucks I give. How many um, of them? It would be affected by like two possible headlines. Okay. It's not even John Schneider fired. It means nothing to me. It does not move the yeah. Richter scale. Uh, Pete Walker signs yeah. with whatever team that is alarm bells going off for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Short of that, if the blue Jays were to hire a or replace John Schneider rather with a bona fide, no doubter hall of fame manager. I mean, a Bruce Bochy type, right? A Terry Francona that I'm like, okay, this is something. This is a significant move. Anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what the it's, fuck difference this makes. This yeah. is still a 91 win team. Like, a, that's that's where I'm at with. So measure my enthusiasm for DeMarlo Hale as an associate manager based on that. Because it's pretty low on my list of, of giving a fucks. No, no offense to DeMarlo Hale, but. No. As a what impact does this have on the team? 0.01% of a single win of a difference. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the thing, right? And I, you said it best that no offense to the Marlo Hale. He's obviously a very intelligent baseball mind that has made a mark on the game throughout decades of being mm-hmm. involved. Is he going to add value to this Jays coaching staff? I would say. Yeah, probably. Should we be excited? I don't I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like um, until until we start to see wins because of Demarlo Hale, and I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, this is just going to add someone who reads information, and th- this is was one of the Jays' biggest problem last year. Right? Was that I feel like the information was being deciphered in in maybe not the most effective way, and this was part of the problem with communication. Part of the problem with the way the Jays lined up their staff and their I don't I don't know like no I will say the truth is man until we see how things play out in 2024 it's really tough to judge anything like a minor coaching change yes and that being said I do want to acknowledge because I know I'm going to see this in the comments because I just touted my the weight I put on the Pete Walker role as I do want to acknowledge. Yes. When Pete Walker was hired as a coach in 2012 with the blue Jays, I would have felt the exact same way. Yes. Yeah. So DeMarlo Hale six years from now, I might feel the same way about like, wow, mm-hmm. has he, has he ever made a world of difference and it would be devastating to lose him. But mm-hmm. for now that's, that's where I'm at. Um, oh, this won't matter to anybody in Toronto or anybody in Edmonton for that matter, but the Edmonton Oilers fired their head coach and hired Chris Knobloch. Yes. Um, Not to be confused with Chuck Knobloch. 
not to be confused with Chuck Knobloch, um, but I did want to say that technically, cousin of mine, Chris Knobloch. Really? Yeah. Uh, through marriage, okay. it is my mom's sister's husband's nephew. But I will say that particular uncle, my godfather. So it is like you're a close brothers. uncle. It is. I mean, you're basically brothers. Let's be serious here. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. When I watched the pregame press conference uh, for his his NHL coaching debut and he was tearing up and he's like, oh, like I miss and I love my family and I just want to thank them for their support. He was basically talking to me. Yeah, which I've is never nice. met him. I've never met him once in my life. But, but you were acknowledged, Adam. Let's let's not take this away from you. Acknowledged. Yeah. It's a credential, and I just want everybody else to pat me on the bo- uh, back in the comment section and say congratulations to your family and Chris Knobloch on his appointment to the NHL head coaching. <laughs> okay, we can move on from that because, yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, totally off the rails here. This is good. Mustard Tiger reached out on Twitter. And uh, says mailbag alert. Trying to pull Patreon rank with this one if I can. Mustard Tiger, longtime supporter of the Patreon. So, of course, he can. Uh, says, what's the impact of Peter Seidler's death on the offseason? Peter Seidler, of course, being the former owner. Now, owner of the San Diego Padres. So, does this mean the Padres are out on Otani until a new owner can make that call? Or does this impact their ability to trade a guy like Juan Soto? This feels like it upends the apple cart completely. Not that we're directly impacted by the Padres, but half of our division is. Great question. Fantastic question. Personally, I would think that as we sit here November 15th, on the verge of free agency really kicking into full gear here on the verge of a lot of these organizations making moves to establish their teams in 2024. My guess is that the San Diego Padres already have a plan in place. They already have an idea of the direction that they're headed over the off season. I think that also, I know Peter Seidler just, um, truly respected around the league as one of the better managers and are uh, sorry, better owners in baseball. Not only also, for the fact that notably a fan to... of baseball, a lot of owners yes. in it for the business and the investment purposes. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a, a real fan of baseball. So around the league, as you said, uh, respected uh, the closest thing, the closest thing to a Steve Cohen, basically outside of Cohen himself, right? A guy who was prepared to invest heavily on, on, Man, your internet sucks today. Who, for a a small market, sorry. That's okay. uh, A small market team that has spent with the big boys is so rare. And that is definitely something that the San Diego Padres do. But do I I foresee this changing their direction of the offseason? I can't see that being the case. I think that they probably already had a pretty firm plan in place as to what they're going to do when it comes to investing in Shohei Otani and it comes to whether or not they're going to trade Juan Soto. I can't see it, it really changing things all that much. I could be completely wrong. However, I do think when you're dealing with a, an organization worth that much money and when there's billions of dollars on the line, there's probably a 
succession plan in place for that sort of thing. And I can't see it affecting the day-to-day personally. But Adam and I don't have any connections with San Diego. We don't know anything. So, <laughs> Hey, I have cousins who live in San Diego. So, so there. Um, the Knobloks live in, just kidding, um, <laughs> different side of the family, uh, different aunt in San Diego. Um, I think Temecula actually, which I think is a small suburb of San Diego or just, we're totally doesn't matter. Does not matter. Um, oh boy. Okay. So this morning I watched the David Sampson podcast. Uh, okay. Nothing personal, David Sampson, and he had some insight on this, which is, I think, valuable. So go watch today's episode, the first 10 minutes he talks about this. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, David Sampson, former MLB executive with the Marlins and the Expos, World Series, blah, 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 right? He's done all the stuff. He's friend very insightful, show. friend of the show. Most importantly, his biggest credential, he was once on the walk-off podcast. He <laughs> um, talked about his time on Survivor. Um I think that's where he goes. It's like uh, time on the walk-off podcast, the three days he spent on Survivor before being the first person voted off, World Series ring. That's how he ranks his accolades. Um, In my head, anyways. He weighed in and said that there is, uh, for any Major League Baseball owner, there is a succession plan in place for in the event of ownership passing. Like a, so I nailed it. So you nailed it. There's a su- succession plan in place. Um, so the Padres already have a formalized document that MLB is aware of uh, for who is going to. I think it's just the, it's staying in the side of their family. They made their announcement or their press release or whatever that like we're not selling. This is going to stay in the side of their family for generations to come and blah, blah, blah. Um. Beyond that, uh, baseball also requires MLB teams have a like catastrophic event plan in place. So like if your plane crashes and the whole team perishes or whatever, all of these are horrible things to have to plan for. But for the obvious reasons, they are planned in in advance. So he says that. He has been a part of these conversations, and I think he said it was with Bud Selig. But he says the gist of it is when an owner passes, there is an immediate pressure from MLB. This is a unwritten, unofficial, but still very much real pressure from the ownership group and from the commissioner to have whoever the successor is behave uh, I can't remember the exact words Samson used to describe it but the gist of it was let's look at the Padres for example Seidler was a build it and hope they come approach to baseball right build the stadium wildly spend on free agency and mm-hmm. payroll and then hope that the fan base uh, supports it and which they have, by the which way, they San have third in attendance in 2023. Yes. And, and however, three million, the revenue has still been an issue for the Padres. Notably, they had that $50 million loan to cover payroll at the end of the mm-hmm. season. 
Um, payday so loans. No payday big deal. loans. Um, so David Sampson is under the belief, as far as what I saw him say this morning, that there will be an unofficial pressure on the successor of, of Peter Seidler to dial it back on mm-hmm. spending and that financial uh, aggressiveness. So when I read that, I think if they were in on Shohei Otani, just say Seidler was like, we're going for it. Here's $700 million. We already have the offer written up. Let's send it to Shohei and uh, see what happens. I think the Padres are out on Shohei now. I think that mm-hmm. if that's the case and pressure from the ownership group and whatever is like, hey, you need to be more responsible in your spending, that translates to not being a big offer on Shohei Otani. And I think it also translates to a very possible trading of Juan Soto. Of Juan Soto and, and some of those other guys who were uh, trade candidates for financial reasons. So I think Padres out on Shohei and more likely to trade and shed salary this offseason. So I don't know. That's where I'm at on it. But for real, anybody that was interested in the botched job that I was just talking about, just go watch the David Sampson podcast from this morning. It's the first 15 minutes of the show, and uh, he does a much better job explaining it than I do. Great stuff, Uh, Mustard Tiger. Really awesome question, by the way. There you go. Um, Okay, next one comes from Deb. uh, DM'd us on Patreon and says, uh, what are your thoughts on the prevalence of batters getting significantly hit by pitches? Uh, Over the season, I remember hearing, well, Manoa's going to hit some guys. That's normal for him. And remembering that hit in the face on Taylor Ward, is it reckless endangerment to send pitchers like Manoa out on the mound? Does baseball culture need to change to reduce this? For example, uh, a more significant penalty for hit by pitch, such as uh, when the player has to leave the game results in a run scored or at least two bases awarded instead of one. I may be overreaching and welcome your thoughts. So Deb is... such an interesting case when it comes to the baseball fandom, because I think it's safe to say that Deb is a full on blue Jays fanatic and followed the team as closely as anyone in 2023. But this was really the first year that she got fully involved in the game of baseball and really let it overtake her life. Like it has ours for years. Um, This is an interesting question in that this is something that has been a problem within the game for years um there is the unwritten rules of baseball obviously where when it comes to hitting a guy intentionally now for the most part those are very rare instances normally when a guy gets hit in the batter's box it is because the pitcher is just lacking control and is going inside and misses his spot. Now, is it reckless endangerment if a pitcher is constantly missing his spot? It it has caused problems in the past. 
There has been full-on bench-clearing brawls because of it. You have seen managers literally coming out of the box and yelling, I know he doesn't have control. I know it's not intentional, but get him the F off the mound. You know, we watched the Yankees and the Rays kind of get into a very similar situation back in 2020 where Kevin Cash actually came out after the game and was like, listen, I've got a whole stable of guys that throw 98 miles an hour. If we wish to play this game, I could play this game. And I don't think that that was really meant as a unwritten rules of the game warning, right? That was more like, listen, it's these guys are throwing with such gas these days, so much velocity that to have a dude who can't hit his spots is truly dangerous. And the opposing teams do take it personal if it happens too often. As for punishment, as for like having a a rule in the books, I don't think it's a possibility. I just don't think it's something that can truly be enforced, especially when it comes to, and Adam, feel free to step in here. But when it comes to a guy losing his control, things of the game, that's, happened forever and dudes have been hitting for hit forever because our pitcher had lost control um i mean it would it makes me think of hockey like a high sticking penalty two minutes if the victim of the high stick interesting gets, is bleeding it's a double minor like period you could fucking smoke a guy it but it hits him with the blunt end of your stick and it doesn't draw blood, it's just two minutes. And then you can have like the most mm-hmm. accidental, incidental contact. But it just happens to catch him in a soft spot under the eye or in the lip or whatever. And if you know, yeah. refs go and they're like in there, like a dentist. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. Oh, there's blood on the gums, four minutes. And it's like it's one of those rules that like we all kind of know or acknowledge is like broken, but like it's just mm-hmm. the fact of the game. Um the idea that okay, so reading rereading Deb's comment here of like hit by pitch, you get your free base, but a significant hit by pitch, like where a player has to leave the game, right? Like concussion or broken finger or whatever, right? Having a, a more significant penalty attached, and I think that's kind of like the comparison to the hockey double minor for high sticking with blood. Of like, if a guy gets hit and has to leave the game, then he gets potentially two bases, two bases or a run scores. I think a run scores is too much. Mm-hmm. Two bases, maybe. I might be okay with that. Then I wonder, though, how would that be managed? Like, if it is a... If Whip Merrifield gets hit just right in the butt cheek and then John Schneider's like, oh, he's out. He's he's too injured to keep playing yeah. just so we can get that yeah, guy yeah. on second, right? Do we get into the soccer area of things where guys are right. like, you know? Oh, no, I'm injured. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting, interesting idea. Um I would like, eh, 
I feel like we've kind of talked about this before, or it feels familiar. Maybe we talked about it with walks having more penalties of like a walk being worth two bases. Um, hit by pitch. Yeah. I don't know what the right answer is there. Hmm. Because the thing to remember is for the most part, it's all unintentional. Like they're not mm-hmm. trying to put a guy on first. They're not trying to hit. I mean, again, there are the unwritten rules of baseball, and obviously that is its own thing altogether and separate from this conversation, but it's a good question. Good question. I think it's a bad uh, answer, but it's a good question. Bad answer, good question. <laughs> By casuals for casuals. There you go. Okay. Uh, Jenna B reached out on Twitter, and we got to wrap this up soon, Scott, because we got our mm-hmm. super secret episode mm-hmm. for Wednesdays with Joel coming up. Uh, and we're only halfway through the comments. So Jenna B says, Hey guys, I saw Adam Mako was added to the 40 man roster. Pretty cool. Does this mean we'll see him in the big leagues this season? So Adam Mako, Canadian kid, he was acquired last year from the Seattle Mariners in that uh, Oscar Hernandez, Eric Swanson trade. He was the prospect that was added in the sweetener, if you will, from the Mariners back to the blue Jays back to Canada. Uh, Adam Mako so the good news is, is that it's not good news he was injured, but he was injured for a lot of 2022, 2023. However, he came back and he pitched very well for the Vancouver Canadians. He was a big part of that Vancouver Canadian championship where they won the Northwest League. Um, he should be getting a start, his, um, getting the bump up to double A. For 2024, he's a lefty. So I think that is why they protected him. Adam Mako also a little bit older. He turns 25 this offseason. So could he be a guy that other organization viewed as good enough to stuff in their bullpen as a lefty, limit his innings, and sneak him through to get him into their organization? The Blue Jays felt he was a guy that other organizations were interested in. It is possible that the teams that view C.J. Van Eyck with the same of um, high high upside, I guess is the right way of putting it, mm-hmm. and take a risk on him. But because he's fresh off of injury and because he has very few innings in the minor leagues under him, it's just a long shot that someone takes a, a flyer on him. Just a reminder what the Rule 5 draft is. Basically... As Adam says it, it's the you 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 use it or you lose it. Mm-hmm. So a player has about four years in the organization. If they are not promoted to the big leagues by that time, they are then re or they are then available for the entirety of the league to draft again in what is called the Rule Five draft. And then that player would need to stay with the major league club for the entire season, and then it's he's your player or they can work out a trade if they would like to, or he is sent back to the original organization. So Adam Mako really big congrats to him. Canadian kid. Awesome to see that he is just one step away from the big leagues. He could see some time in 2024, depending on how he continues to develop and continues to progress. He's a little ways away though. I don't think there's any possibility of Adam Mako breaking with this team in spring training however it's very similar to when the blue jays added Hagen danner to the 40-man roster a couple years back danner being a guy that 
you know, uh, throws a hundred. And even though he was just on his way into double A, they did view him as somebody that other organizations may take a risk on. So Adam Mako, 40 man roster for the Blue Jays. Congratulations to him. Are we going to see him in 2024? Probably not until at least midseason is my guess, but time will tell. Time will tell. Um, okay, next comes from Andrea Sims uh, reached out and said, Hey, Scott and Adam, all this talk of the Blue Jays doing something big is killing me. Is this just all being said for leverage or uh, could there be truth to the rumors? So one of the more respected analysts in Major League Baseball, Jeff Passan, came out a couple days ago in an article with ESPN and stated that the Blue Jays organization, he's heard rumblings, they really would like to do something big. What does this mean? I don't know. Okay, here's what we do know. We do know that Mark Shapiro in his postseason press conference mentioned that the budget is probably going to stay right around where it's at. Now, yes, there have been many guys who went to free agency. So there are, there is money off the books, including that 20 million from Hengen Ryu. Despite there being money to spend, there is a unicorn budget to pursue Shohei Otani. Many of these organizations have that unicorn budget, right? Lots of teams are going after Shohei. He's going to decide what he wants. Are there other big moves out there? Yes, I think Cody Bellinger would be considered definitely a big-time signing. He's a guy you probably have to dish out somewhere between 150 to 170 in six years to, to snag. Are there other options outside of the free agent market that could be considered a big move? Absolutely. And I think that the, that's probably the most likely route we see the Blue Jays go if they do make a quote-unquote big move. What is the chances of it? I don't know. Now, obviously, the Blue Jays are going to increase ticket prices going into 2024. This has already been announced for both season ticket holders and just general admission altogether. Prices are going up. They are going to be finished their final leg of the renovations that they've been doing over the last 18 months. There's mega, mega renovations happening as we speak on the 100 levels. They're going to be adding all sorts of premium seating, corporate seating. They want their money. They want to turn the Blue Jays into the Leafs if they can, because there's just infinite money in those corporate dollars. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and empty. Could this, could this, um, lash back or, or, or the pushback from the fans, I guess is the right way of putting it. This offseason, you never know, heard like of, Adam, I've, I've, I've never heard of backlash lash pronounced lashback. That was great. There we go. Thank you. Backlash. I don't know why it didn't even come to lash me even after back. I said lashback. I'm like, that sounds really wrong, but I don't know what <laughs> I'm going to start wrong saying here. that. Lashback. <laughs> the lashback. The lashback. <laughs> the backlash from the fans. Because, dude, like, I mean, we watched after 2022, the disappointment of the fans. We watched after the disappointment of 2021. There was nothing quite like the backlash, the lashback of 2023 from the fans. There was just like a very unsatisfied group of Blue Jays fans, very vocal. So does a big move make sense here to maybe kind of qualm that dissatisfaction and, and 
sell tickets because that's what they want, right? They, they, they need tickets to sell here, especially with investing all this money in renovations. Could a big move make sense? Absolutely. Could we, are there, are there um, options out there on the trade market? There sure are. We just talked about San Diego and they're yep. not alone. They're not alone. There are some, I know uh, Chris Black, who will be joining us hopefully next week, but at Down to Black, you should definitely check out his thread on why the Blue Jays are in a prime position to make a major trade. And basically it's because there is a section of major league organizations currently that their TV revenue looks like it's going to go down in 2024 and they may need to shed some payroll. And whenever a team needs to shed payroll, the easiest way to do that is trading one of your mega contracts. Mm -hmm. Is that something that the Blue Jays could do? Absolutely. Time will tell. There's almost I'm, I'm with Jenna though. Like I, I until it happens, it is annoying to constantly hear oh the Blue Jays attached to every big name. This is something we've gone through for years because the Blue Jays have money, and of course it makes sense for agents and, and for um, the negotiations to float the Blue Jays as a possible candidate just to raise the prices of other teams. So we'll see. Um, almost. Zero chance our thumbnail today doesn't have Shohei Otani, though, right? Like Jeff Passan, Shohei Otani, breaking news, something like that, right? But what about what about the lashback? The lashback, yes, <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. The lashback of this Shohei Otani rumor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think this is going to be another one of those runner up off seasons to be honest i don't am i being too harsh by saying that that's how the last couple off seasons have felt well adam the last i mean my god we were on the verge of getting jose ramirez it felt like and yeah. didn't and i mean there's still shit coming out about that we i got mean matt chapman goodness. instead right yeah like just uh anyways Jose Ramirez, the Blue Jay that never was. That's okay. the only problem with being tied to these big names, right? Is there is disappointment when you don't land it. My favorite is when the the big names come out mid-season, like Justin Verlander, and goes, oh, I was going to sign with Toronto. I have my mm -hmm. plane tickets booked. And then at the last mm -hmm. minute, I was like, oh, no thanks. Gross. Toronto? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Uh. Okay. I don't know how much we're allowed to talk about this. Uh. Right. Wednesday's show. We've added mm -hmm. a Wednesday show for the Patreon. This is a for the most premium of premium tiers, a weekly Wednesday show. Uh, Joel Haykami joins us and we sit down and talk on Zoom and we share it with the the the, the top tier of our Patreon. Uh, we made it available for everyone in our Patreon uh, for last week's episode and then got a wild amount of feedback. Uh, everybody loved it. Um, 
and we got to go because we're meeting with Joel in like 15 minutes to do our, our next episode yes. of that. So look forward to that. Um, we got to talk to Joel and figure out how much we're actually allowed mm-hmm. to discuss publicly before I get too deep into the weeds here. Um, but I just wanted to read one comment here on this super secret project with Joel. So Deborah says, hi, I already have plans for this Wednesday at noon. Will the next one be taped so that I can watch it later? If not, that's totally good with me. No pressure at all. Just not clear on if videos can be shared with only one tier or if this is just a join the Zoom call and stay mute situation. And I just wanted to clarify for anybody that's interested is uh, it's definitely you're not on the Zoom call with us uh, and we are recording it. Um, and you'll see it after the fact. And yes, we are able to provide different perks for different tiers. So that is something that we are going to be doing. So there you go. Uh, she goes on to say the first episode was great. Loved it. Um, I work in a toxic slash watch your back work culture. And it's really great to see nice, genuine people working well together, building on each other's ideas, challenging them, etc. Plus, it sounds like such a... Okay, that's probably spoilers, so I have to leave that out. Um, blah, blah, blah. Best of luck to you all. Look forward to seeing more. So, there you go. That is uh, the Wednesday stuff that we are uh, mm-hmm. about to get to. Um, Without we have getting time into for... the details or for who or what it is or anything like that, I think it's safe to say we could say we're writing a baseball show, right? Or is that too much? Well, you've said it now. now. You've said it now, Scott. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, there you go. Well, we'll, we'll just say it. We're, we are working That's with Joel, pretty who's, who's a big-time Hollywood TV show writer. He's got a lot of projects. Yes. Everybody knows he's writing a Tommy John biopic, and uh, and there's a lot of people who are heavily invested in Joel and want more from Joel. Yes. So yes. Uh, this is a project that... You and I and Joel have talked about for a year plus now. Year plus, kind of throwing ideas back and forth just in text, and hey, wouldn't this be fun? And now we're and now getting serious about after, it because exactly. people are uh, people are on them. <laughs> people are like Joel, you gotta actually make this. This is uh, we want more from you, and and this would uh, would be fun. So, anyways, blah blah blah. The details. If you're interested, it's about an hour every Wednesday on the Patreon. Um, yeah. Okay. We got a couple minutes here and then I got to grab a bite to eat before Joel joins us. So let's get to these last two questions really quick. Uh, cause I do want to get to them. So Wyatt, uh, question from Patreon for the mailbag. Uh, what do you guys think the chances are Christian Yelich gets traded this off season? And if he does, would it be someone the Jays would be interested in or not? So the Milwaukee Brewers are a team to watch. They very much are maybe not in the same boat as the San Diego Padres, but are definitely going to be shedding some salary. And they may even be in a retool, rebuild phase of that organization. I think with Corbin Burns being a free agent at the end of the year, I don't think he's going to be a brewer come the start of 2024. I think that uh, Brandon Woodruff is gone. I think that we very well could see them try to move Christian Yelich. And I think um, when it comes to eating money, they would rather almost give him a, 
away than do that, but I do believe that Yelich is going to be available. The Brewers are going to be interesting. Are there some fits there with the Blue Jays? Possibly. Big um, lefty bat. And Christian Yelich. How old is Cody Bellinger? What is Cody Yelich? Bellinger is 28. I don't think the Blue Jays get Cody Bellinger. I, I know that's uh, one name that gets thrown about a lot. and I think we should be in on Bellinger. I was in on Bellinger for last season. I think he's going to a team like the Yankees or somebody who's going to mm-hmm. offer him absurd money. Um, Christian Yelich feels like a... I, I'd rather pay what's left of his salary... He's got uh, one, two, three, four, five years remaining at $26 million a year. That takes him to his age 36 season. I'll tell you right now, I'd rather just pay the money. It's not my money. Than uh, mm-hmm. give up anything to get Christian yeah. Yelich. Mm-hmm. Stick and him in left Christian field Yelich and been, pay him that money. Like, Yeah, like Christian Yelich has been really good the last couple of years. He's kind of had a resurgence. I know that he definitely wasn't the player that, they originally thought he would be former MVP. Yep. MVP 2018, second in MVP votes in 2019. Then got a big contract and kind of had a couple bad years. 2020, Mm -hmm. 2021, 2022 weren't the best, but he's seen an uptick. Uh, Last year was pretty good offensively. OPS plus of 124. You know, this is a guy with 36, 45 home run potential. Uh, Lefty bat. I think arguably fits exactly what the Blue Jays are looking, but he's a bit mm-hmm. older, a bit older, 32 years older old. It's, it's a pricey contract. It is a pricey, pricey contract. contract. Yep, for sure. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at on Christian Yelich. Uh, I think I'd be okay with it as a Blue Jays traded for Christian Yelich and we didn't have to give up like yeah. anything of, real value to get it. I think I'd be pretty okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there you go. Okay. And then last one here, uh, comes from Scott Carter says, hashtag mailbag. Uh, where are people getting their baseball fix these days or has withdrawal not kicked in yet? I'm watching a Korean baseball game show that I found in the deep bowels of Netflix. So let me just Ooh. first say, Mr. Scott Carter, uh, I need more info. We on need this more information. Yes. This is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if I could just search Korean baseball game show, it would pop right up. But, uh, yeah, I want to, I want to watch this. This sounds good. What are you doing, Scott? I, it's funny. Just yesterday, I watched The Rookie. So I'm into the, oh, what are some old baseball movies that I can watch phase of the nice. off season? Nice. Yes. How about nice. you, buddy? Uh, well, this Saturday, um, my winter slow pitch league gets underway. Ooh, fun. Is that indoors? Indoors at the soccer dome, uh, in Leduc. No, just, just North of Leduc. Uh, so I'll be playing there. That's a double header at 10 PM till midnight. So sorry, you cut out again, Scott. Um, is that your internet is so bad. Scott, the suspense is killing me. Oh, we almost made it a full episode. Repeat that. Sorry. No, you're good. You're back. I was just asking. 
I was just asking if it was Scotty Carefoot's league that he, he runs there or if I, that's... I think it is, if I'm being honest. Yeah? So okay. yeah, friend of the show, Scotty Carefoot. Um yeah. So I was I was gonna that'll be my baseball fix. I won't be watching, but I'll be playing. I know, don't even Out get there. on me about how slow pitch isn't baseball. Shut up. It essentially is. Um yeah, I was You're gonna put your work gloves on one hand buddy. at a time. And then once they're on, you're hitting bombs. We know how you, the Mac attack works. You got it, my friend. You got it. Um, I was actually trying was trying to figure out how can we continue to provide value uh, provide value for our uh, twenty five dollar Patreon tier since we can't do Zoom parties anymore in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, so with us doing Wednesdays, that was one idea to add value. And then I was going to. Uh, strap a gopro on my head and uh get some footage from my slow pitch games and uh <laughs> and throw that up on the patreon but everybody loves wednesdays so much that i can't yeah. uh i don't have to now yeah. i i'm off the hook yeah. so i don't have to worry about Perfect. uh strapping the gopro to my my hat and uh and filming some first person perspective uh softball games so i'm off the hook for that wednesdays is enough everybody's satisfied so <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right all man. right buddy let's wrap it up here yep. thank you so much everybody for all your interaction we do comb through it every single week you can always reach out to us on instagram the walk-off podcast on twitter or x however you want to uh call it it's at walk-off podcast patreon members you always get that patreon bump and get your questions and comments instantly um answered and you also get access to the discord thank you very much everybody always a pleasure we'll talk to you on friday for 420 episode hey cheers Until I'm just I'm just texting us in the group text secret question mark. And that is just a reminder that I want to fucking know what it is as soon as we get off of here. So this was a great uh, tease, Joel. People can see the reaction reaction as I text it to you right now. Okay, we're getting it right now. Look at this. This is this is very excited. (laughs) Let's see the reaction. I've never waited on bated breath before. This is what that expression was. You've got to be fucking kidding man that is Whoa. so cool hold on let me take off my i'm doing a whole ed tv thing here people are pausing and trying to read the reflection of my gopro on my hat um we did get a question in the patreon about uh if the patreon could get access to any like character bios or anything that we come up with is that something that we can share access to or is that something that we should hold off on or whatever right i think we could like double off some of the the content and create a kind of an open forum something that's viewable but not editable or you know they don't have permission editable right like if you wanted to not 
editable, but like imagine that we put our characters up and then we don't ask that you change any of our characters, but if you right. want to add characters, people can add like, comments to yeah, whatever, yeah. right? Or okay. I'd love to see Patreon step in and, and throw their ideas out for characters or situations or comedic elements that they love out of baseball that could you know, okay. we could totally add a a folder to um uh fan suggestions. I okay. think that, that would okay. be great. Sounds good then. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening. 